Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports the Max on the air, and it is another draft night addition to an extent because it's the NHL draft tonight. And who better to talk about it than a guy that has been a number one overall pick, a general manager, an agent, a member of the NHL network staff, and much more. We're always thrilled to join, that he joins us in the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Brian Lawton, thank you for giving us some time tonight. My pleasure, Mike. Uh, are you at the draft? I am not at the draft. I am watching the television. And any surprises? Uh, no. For NHL Network about a month ago, uh, as, as I predicted at that time, uh, your eyes saw Colorado first overall. Yep. That he did, in fact, for all the second pick by the New Jersey Devils here. Uh, player Shane Wright, who everyone thought would go first, did not go second either. It's hmm. going to be Simone Nemitz. And then Simone Nemitz is a medium-sized defenseman about the excellent New Jersey needs defense. I'm not surprised they went in this direction. Uh, it's going to be a shock for Shane Wright and his camp. Um but sometimes those are the things that happen. It's been a strange couple of years trying to evaluate these kids, to say the least. For sure. Now, you know, when you talk about this, you scouted them when you were a general manager, and you were one. What's the hardest thing about projecting an 18-year-old kid? Uh, I, I think it's really hard when you have so much play in different leagues. So you're, I suppose, great Olympics. It wasn't a normal Olympic. How do you balance that out and evaluate him? He was the MVP of the Olympics. Uh, Simon Nemec played in his team in Slovakia and he was good, really came on at the end of the year. He played for Nitra in the Slovakian League. A lot of people don't see a lot of hockey in that league. Mm-hmm. But he was a boy. He was a boy in a men's league and he showed himself really well there and play. And to pulling off of that of trying to determine a player in major junior versus U.S. high school program versus maybe very difficult. How, how about this Cooley kid that's going to the Gophers? How, how good is he? Top five pick, they say. Logan, for sure, five pick. Uh, thought he might go third. I don't believe he'll go third with the Arizona that pick yet. Um, but I do think the top, uh, it'll be either out of him, and I believe could still select him. So we'll see. We'll oh. fix less. 
You're breaking up on us a little bit, but I'm going to ask you one more question, see if we can get in. Kirill Kaprizov, obviously, in Russia, they say, and there's a lot of gamesmanship going on right now. What can you tell us about his situation, and, and do you read anything into what you've heard so far? Well, we've heard a lot of conflicting reports on, obviously, what's going on in the Russian, the Russian players. Uh, in Kirill's case, I'm told that everything is fine. He has purchased a new place to live in Minneapolis for next year. Uh, I was able to find out nothing that says he won't be playing for the Minnesota Wild and here and present next season. If you were a general manager and you had him, would you say get you, get your butt back here as soon as you can, or, or can't you do that? You cannot do that legally, but I know his agent well, Paul Fiafana, and Paul is very astute. Uh, he is not a guy to be behind things. I'm certain Billy Garrett has been in contact with Paul and Kirill, and I feel very confident that things are in a good place for him playing for the Minnesota Wild next year. I have next to no concern that that will that that will not happen. Now the Wild have two first round picks. Uh, is there you know you you've sat at this table before? Uh, is is strictly best player available in an NHL draft because they're so young and you don't look at all a year or two down the road? Do you ever consider that you might use this guy in March and that counts? I think it's a little different for every team. You know, there's a difference in management philosophy. For me personally, anybody in the top five got probably more consideration for what we had on the roster and what we were looking for. We took Victor Hedman second overall in 2009. We also had a second first-round pick that year. It ended up being Brent Ashton's son, Carter. I was picked at the very end of the first round, and we just had the best player. So we had two opposing philosophies going on, one cut off by virtue of the top five player, and the other one by virtue of what's the asset, he's not stick figure out what to do with that asset down the road. Last question. Kevin Fiala goes to Los Angeles. See, I guess he left him little choice. How, how did you feel about what they got in return, and, and how, do you, how do you fill that gap? The uh, percussion of the South, Kevin Fiala played very well for the Minnesota Wild, but I have to be did a tremendous deal in moving him. I felt like a lot of teams knew that the Wild couldn't re-sign him, so there wasn't a he was traded. Of course, they did re-sign today, which is great news for Wild fans. So not to, uh, by the fact that they traded him, pleasant by, by, the, by the strong return that I was able to get for him. Brian, appreciate it very much. Enjoy the rest of the draft, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you very much, Mike. You bet. Nice stuff. To, Brian Lawton, nice stuff to join us. He was the number one overall pick by the North Stars. I don't know what that would be like to walk into an arena. I know you're going to be the number one overall pick. And uh, I'll tell you what, though. Here's the difference between the NHL draft and other drafts. The, the other drafts, you do have a chance sometimes to draft 18- and 19-year-old players, uh, but not very often. In football in general, you're seeing a guy that's uh, 21 years old minimum. In, in basketball, 19 would be the minimum. Many times it's 20, 21, depending on. Um, in, in baseball, you either, you get drafted when you're 18 years old or you sign and you go to a college, you don't sign until you're 21. Unless you go to a junior college, there's different loopholes there. But in hockey, in hockey, 
it's an 18-year-old draft for the most part. So you have to be able to project what a kid's going to be like basically by age, you know, what he's going to look like when he's 22 years old. Because that's about the time that you'd expect him to to contribute, uh, you know, sooner for first-round picks, all those things. But I mean, in general, it, it'd be a three- or four-year window before you can say this guy is ready to turn it loose. He's ready to play on the, on the NHL roster on, the, you know, 82-game uh, schedule, all those things. And, and you're looking at 18-year-old kids. And uh, some of them have not physically matured. I, I remember one time talking to a general manager, and he said, we looked at the kid that we were going to draft, and we looked at his dad, and we thought he's still got some growth in him because his dad is much bigger than he is. And so we think that he's going to grow you know, a couple more inches and add, you know, hands will get bigger, stronger, all those things. But they said that never happened. But they projected that. And they projected wrong. Uh, another, I remember another scout telling me there's a high-end draft pick, and they went around to interview these guys. And so you try to interview these guys to get as much background as you can. But again, what's the maturity level of an 18-year-old kid? They, they haven't seen the world. Uh, most of them haven't had a lot of adversity because they've always been the best uh, where they play. So you're, you're interviewing kids that don't have a lot that way that has been in their way so far. And I remember this happened with an NHL scout told me they, they, they do the at-home visits. And they went to this person's home and they were greeted, you know, by the family and they go in and have a meal. Now, a lot of NHL teams would do this and they do it for a number of different reasons. They, they, they want to show, they want to make the family feel good about the organization in case they draft their son. So they want that, that family to feel like, hey, these are people that really care. We know them. We trust them. So if they draft that son, uh, their son, they can feel good about us. Number two, they want to see how the kid responds in his home environment. They want to see the interaction, the dynamics of a family. Now, now, they don't tell them that going in, but they want to read the tea leaves. They want to see how mom and dad interact. Are, are they married? Are they divorced? Uh, how the different kids fit into this? Are there siblings? Is, is it a second marriage? Second, how, how does this work? By the way, Logan Cooley was just drafted. The um, gopher-to-be uh, was just drafted uh, with pick number, is it four? Anyway, we'll, we'll get you updated on that. But he uh, 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 he uh, he's coming to the Gophers. He'll probably come here next year and at least play for one year. He's supposed to be pretty good out of Pittsburgh. But he was taken number four overall in the uh, uh, NHL draft. Anyway, they, they go to this this particular high-end prospect's house. And they're trying to figure out and, – and I mean high-end. I mean I mean top five, right? And they're, and they're trying to figure out where he fits and how good he is uh, around his family. And, and when they sit down at the table to break bread and to have dinner and all these things, uh, you know, there, there's, there's kind of a standard conversation that goes on. Except that they noticed how he treated his dad. And he used the F word. He did things like that. Things that you just wouldn't – a normal back and forth with a father that, that it would be, particularly if you assume you're on your, on your best behavior and your mind and your P's and Q's. And, and he's right in his dad's face telling him whatever he thinks, using whatever verbiage that he wants to use. And that was a big part of the deciding reason as to why they didn't draft him and they drafted somebody else, just because they watched his interaction with his father. And uh, the family thought they were there to learn more about the kid and, and, and to learn more about the organization, but the organization was studying the family. Cooley, by the way, goes to Arizona. Um, Mike Gensel. One of the scouts at uh, Arizona on the pro staff, but uh, there is talk that uh, uh, because he's going to a team that's been so bad, 
uh, that uh, you know, an outside chance that that he could never show up at Minnesota because of that. I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but that's just you know some of the, the whispers out there. But anyway, the, the guy that 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 they're talking to at this dinner table eliminates himself without realizing it because of the language and the disrespect that he shows to his father. So all these things, and he ended up being a pretty good player. I'll give him that. He ended up being a pretty good NHL player. I don't know. I don't know where he ranked compared to the people that you know they didn't draft, etc. That are they drafted in front of him? I don't remember that. But he ended up being a pretty good player. And um, one organization said that that was that was enough. That's all we needed to see to say that's not the guy we want on our team. So that's how difficult it is. Uh, those are the things that they use uh, when they try to make decisions in the draft. Um, I got to tell you something. I don't know if you agree with me or not. Sometimes I think I'm, – I'm pointing the gun right at the head of me in the media, right? Sometimes I think that we in the media, we choose a story rather than find what the story really is. Instead of telling you what really happened, we, we seek out a story and then we try to make it a story because we think that's what you want to hear. I'll give you a perfect example of that when we come back. Stay with us. Sports for the Max on News Talk 830 WCCL. So one time uh, they booked this radio guest for I, I, I don't I, I book most of my own guests, but years ago they booked this guest for me and it's an author. Normally I don't like booking authors because authors are just there to sell books and they send out press releases because they want to sell their book and, and that's why they want to be on. So I don't book authors very often on the show unless there's a local uh, uh, or, or they unveiled something. And, and this local author had taken a sample of all NFL players and and then. Uh, which was an extraordinary amount of players because there's thousands of players, you know, that, that play each year. There's whatever it is, 53 times 32 plus the transactions gets you up to, uh, whatever it gets you up to. Uh, but, um, uh, he pointed out all, all the problems that they had with the law and, and all, all of it was accurate. But all she did was, was go file all these, you know, police reports, et cetera, uh, based on a sample size of thousands. And I said, that's, that's not indicative of. That doesn't mean that the NFL has a problem. It means that profiling kids this age, uh, 21, 22 years old, and there's this many people that have a, a police report. And I, yeah, anybody can do that and then, and then make it look like we've got a crisis. And, and so we had a great <clears throat> debate argument on the air about that because I thought that he was just, he was just trying to, you know, scare people and, and, and make the, you know, can you believe that the NFL stands for this? It, it, and I thought it was a joke. Um, the same to an extent, uh, the last few days, I've, I just got back from, from Colorado. I left on Saturday and came back uh, yesterday. And I was led to believe that this was going to be the worst experience of my life trying to get on an airplane uh, and all the lines and all that went with it. So early on Saturday morning, we boarded, myself, my son, his four buddies, and uh, and, and I got to the Humphrey Terminal and, and, and the line was at least six blocks long. I mean, I couldn't believe how far back we had to walk to get to the back of the line. I said, oh, no. You know, we got there early enough. I said, we still got an hour and a half before they board. Are we going to make it? That line moved so quickly and so efficiently, I couldn't believe it. They had more people working. than They had accommodated the needs. They understood that the masses were traveling. They understood all that. And it was as smooth of operations I've ever seen. Then then we flew right on time on Sun Country Airlines. We landed in Denver, went to the rental car, and, and, and the airport was just bustling. I mean, it was packed. Went to the air, the, the rental car uh, place that we rented the car from, long line again, and it was as smooth as silk because they had a number of agents working there. And so even the line was long. It moved really quickly. 
got the car, went out there, traffic jam going to the mountains, came back yesterday, uh, got to the rental car place, dropped it off real easily. They shuttle us in. No problem getting through airport. Uh, saw very few delays or cancellations on the board there, and Denver is a mega place. But if you watch only the news – you would swear that we're in this crisis mode in terms of travel and that and and you start to you know because they're looking for how many canceled flights they were well how many canceled flights isn't as important as how many overall flights compared to canceled flights what's what's the percentage but they lead you to believe that that you need to be scared and terrified and and, and i i say this as a member of the media but i'm saying if you look for a story you can find a story if you want to quote how many number of canceled flights there are, great. But how about the fact that a lot of somebody had done a wonderful job of mapping out a game plan, a strategy to make it easy for people when they travel? Because they said this is going to be a busy travel time, and they accommodated the way good organizations do. But but if you watch some of the be, I got home last night. I'm watching a national, and and they're and they're trying to scare. Boy, can you believe it? Look at all the cancel, and they try to show you a board that shows that there's a canceled flight. Yeah, that happened. But it wasn't the norm. Things ran well. And in and, and Denver is an incredibly busy airport. Uh, because if you think about it, it's the focal point of the West, right? It's right in the middle of the West. So you've got LA, Phoenix, Texas, Minnesota, Chicago, Kansas City, Nebraska, it all comes through Denver. And it was incredibly smooth. And you never would have known we were in crisis mode except for the media telling us that we're in crisis mode. And when they send somebody out there to cover it, it's like, well, you got to find some canceled flights. you got to find some people that are really upset about that their their flight got canceled. Now they got to make new reservations. They don't know how they're going to do it. And so you got to find somebody, even if it's only one out of a thousand, got to find that one out of a thousand, that's going to be the focal point of your story. Well, that's not the story. The story was things went relatively smoothly. And, and sometimes I, I wonder and I question uh, my own profession, our own motives. Um, if you send somebody out to find a story, sometimes they can find a story. But do you give it proper context? Are you doing it right? Or are you just trying to scare the hell out of people that are on the air and say, look at this. This is so problematic. This is crisis mode. You know, and, and Sid was guilty of that too. God bless him when he was alive. If Sid wanted somebody to say that the Super Bowl was, it was great in Minnesota, even though it was 15 below, uh, he'd find somebody that would say it, and that would be his headline story. Now, that might not be indicative of all the people that came down for the Super Bowl, but doggone it, that's what made his column. My point being, when I see this stuff and it plays out in front of my eyes, I say, you know what? I can see sometimes why people don't trust the way we'd like them to trust, you know? You want to get high on Ninth and Nickel today? Just walk down there. I couldn't believe it. Marijuana everywhere. Pregnant lady right there in the middle of it. I mean, it's not as good sometimes as we want it to be or as bad as we want it to be, but you need to make your own decisions regarding it. Mike Patton will join us. The Chauvin trial, the Griner trial, the Kaprizov situation next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.